Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Bullshit. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Welcome back to the Bullshit Filter Syrian Civil War, episode 24. Hi, Ray. Hello. This may be the final and yet it may not yeah we're getting that's how you build tension yeah oh, that's good i like it it turns me on <laughs> so where do we get up to we're still games of throning this bitch we're speeding through the timeline we we were uh at the end of last episode talking about how um on the 30th of September 2015 the russian air force got involved in syria for the first time at the official request of the Syrian government, which makes it legal when the government of one country invites you to send your air force, your army into their country, it is legal. As we will see over the course of the next episode, America's involvement in Syria, not legal. Um, Big difference. I just want to throw out, uh, in May of 2015, the Islamic State seized the ancient city of Palmyra. I'm sure everybody saw that on the news. But they were also coming close to, um, I don't even know how to pronounce it, the government's coastal stronghold at Latakia, which, as if people may remember from a couple of episodes ago, um, Bashar has some family members there. So this was, this was not only a d- disastrous war for him, losing lots of territory, it was about to get personal. And as you said, in September, the Russians, maybe out of desperation, were invited in, which I'm sure they were only more than too happy to comply to have some direct influence in that region of the world. Yeah, Latakia is where the uh, Alawi are mostly from. It's where the Assad family has always been from. It's where our guest on the show, uh, going back a couple of months ago, is from originally, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, the Russians got involved. Uh, they had aircraft uh, stationed in Syria at the Kemimim base. And shortly after the start of the Russian operation, Barack Obama reportedly authorized the resupply of the Syrian Kurds and the Free Syrian Army, basically saying, well, now the Russians are involved. We have to continue to be involved. Uh, Even though in October, on the 8th of October 2015, which makes it almost two years ago to the day, uh, the US officially announced the end of the Pentagon's $500 million program to train and equip Syrian rebels. They publicly acknowledged that it was a huge failure, may have spent actually twice that amount of money, according to current estimates. Uh, the Pentagon admitted that for that $500 million to a billion dollars, it had trained mm-hmm. four or five fighters inside of Syria. Now, I don't really do math, that whole math thing, but it seems like that's a lot of money per man. What the fuck? Now, 
I, for one, Ray, and I'm not an American citizen, as you as you may be aware, Ray, uh, I, I, I don't pay taxes in the United States. Uh, I don't contribute to the uh, American budget in any way, shape or form. But if I right. did, I think I would want to know, I'd want a breakdown on where that billion dollars went. How yeah. do how do you know that the you billion want an itemized list? Yeah, how do you know that that billion dollars or, or half of it didn't just end up in some fucker's pocket? How how I, I remember when this news broke two years ago. I remember go, thinking, "Well, there must be a typo in the report that I read. They must mean <laughs> four, well, four or five thousand. Too many zeros. Four or five thousand fighters. Yeah. Not enough." To, to, yeah. to defeat the combined forces of Bashar's army and the Russians. So obviously, yeah, they, they, they go, well, that's not enough. We're not, we're, we're not going to get scale here. We, we need to... No, four or five yeah. fighters. They spent a billion dollars. They got a handful. That... What? Fuck... What? Where, how, how, how does that well, work? <laughs> Now, here's the thing. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. Here's the thing. Back then and again now, preparing for this episode, I tried to find some detail. I tried to find some media coverage that said how the money was spent. Somebody saying, well, uh, look, that may sound like a lot of money, but you have to understand that it was spent uh, in this fashion and therefore... You know, it's not as not as bad as it sounds. Nothing. I can find nothing. Nothing. No, no one. No one apart from me going, fucking what? Are you kidding me? Yeah. What? You spent a billion dollars for four or five fighters. Where did that money... How did that happen? Where did that money go? I can't find anyone asking those questions. Uh, did, did you find anything, Ray? Please tell me you found something. Uh, well, I have about four or five uh, responses to that. One, um, if the, the liberal press wasn't going to find anything to embarrass Obama, but if the political right press could not find anything, then um, I don't know, you almost, this is going to sound crazy, but in America, maybe that was considered unpatriotic to to f- investigate that level of stupidity. I don't know. Um, as you probably know, I'm a massive whore. And if they want to give me $250 million, I'll go in there and fight for a while. And to get back to your other point, the money was probably handed to somebody. Um, so that's probably um, accurate. But I would have to say you're overreacting. This is two years ago. A billion dollars two years ago was not what a billion dollars is today. So um, just let it go. Just, just walk away. So what you're saying, Ray, is I should just... Let it go. Let it go. Yes! Yes! I have not seen that film, so I have no idea what that song is about. Oh, but uh, awesome. there you go. Let, let me. Yeah. 
Let me put things in perspective for you. Um, Houston, Texas, part of Louisiana, destroyed by a storm. Southern Florida, destroyed by a storm. Puerto Rico, destroyed by a, destroyed by a storm. We're going to need so much more money that we can't even begin to worry about that billion. Oh, wait. We could use that money yeah. right now. Okay, scratch that. Never mind. But on a serious note, when it comes time to rebuild Syria, knowing that I guess most, if not all, of their major cities are, I mean, they're literally going to tear down almost every, if not every single building to rebuild. I'm just trying to imagine what it's going to cost to rebuild that country if and when that ever begins. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, trillions. What's, what's after trillions? Mm. I don't know. Googleplex? I have no idea. Yeah. Well, look we know from similar situations, you know, I, I don't know if we've talked about this on this series or another series. I think it was this one. Must have been this one. When um, uh, like a billion dollars of cash George W. Bush sent on a billion dollars, uh, greenbacks, uh, pallets of cash to Iraq and yeah, just kind of disappeared. And the, the auditors said to the Pentagon, what happened to the money? And they said, I don't know. We, we, you know, went on a big plane to Iraq. We just gave it out. Who'd you give it it to, people? Did you get receipts? No. We're in a fucking war-torn country. We don't have time to give out receipts. Did you ask for any? No, we just, you know, they come in. They say, I need some money. We say, how much? They go, $100,000. You go, all right, that's 10 inches. Take 10 inches. Off you go. We're busy. Don't... (laughs) God, how many times have I said that? <laughs> you just want 10 inches? Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, no, yeah. No, but, yeah. No, I was just going to say, by the time the Syrian civil war is over and they begin to rebuild, somebody will come out with something that will make oil obsolete. And the oil, not that there's some in Syria, but in the Middle East in general, will be practically useless and it will just stay destroyed for hundreds of years. No, but I, I just cannot imagine what it is going to take to rebuild that country. I, I we're talking generations of here living in, in uh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, well, a lot of Europe was destroyed at the end of world war two and we rebuilt mm-hmm. Marshall plan, man, destroy something, then yeah. uh, loan the money to rebuild it. They'll pay it back. And uh, it's all good. Do you see America doing a Marshall Plan for Syria? Not under the current administration. No, I, the, <laughs> Trump doesn't even want to help rebuild Puerto Rico. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so I'm sorry. Um, okay, so the the Pentagon's quote unquote five hundred million dollar program was shut down just after the Russians got involved, but the U.S. said they were going to continue to resupply. The Kurds and the opposition, because now the Russians were there, they needed to stay in it. Uh, and other run, uh, American-run programs continued, uh, covert and probably larger CIA programs to arm uh, anti-government fighters continued. And the US, around about this time, like Britain, started sending out messages that Assad could probably remain in power for mm-hmm. some sort of undefined transitional period. Uh, 
Now, previously, of course, they'd been saying Assad has to go. Round about this point, they're like, well, you know, maybe he needs to stay because... He has to go-ish. Yeah. He has to go, in theory, one day, but not right now. Right. I'm thinking the Americans are like, okay, this place is such a clusterfuck that maybe we could begin the idea of talking. Someone has to speak for Syria. He's the leader. Maybe he can talk us through the (coughs) peace talks, and then he can leave. And obviously, he's probably got a lot of money in a Swiss bank account or wherever somewhere, so he can live nice for the rest of his life. But yeah, let's, let's use him. If we can't get rid of him, let's use him. Let's see if we can get some kind of dialogue going, and then he could leave. But that's, I don't know, is that naivete? Is that wishful thinking? Or is that just accepting the fact that this man is not going to go anywhere until he wants to, and he has the backing of, uh, of uh, Putin. I wonder how much of the Pentagon's $500 million ended up in Bashar's bank account in Switzerland, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. All of it. All of it. Hey, yeah, President yeah. Bashar, look what we found lying in the street. Pallets of American cash. Uh, God. And, yeah. So now, obviously, if if you're a member of the... Free Syrian opposition, the army, the rebel groups, and you hear America, who's been urging you on for the last four years, start saying, eh, maybe Assad can stay after all. That's not going to fill you with a huge amount of confidence. See, uh, Americans have been saying, yeah, yeah, you can take him. You can take him. Don't worry about it. We got your back. We got your back for the last four years. We'll fund you. We'll. Don't worry. You've got the US of A, motherfucker. America, fuck yeah. We're coming in any moment now. If he crosses that red line, we are in. Oh, he crossed the red line? Uh, yeah. Okay, well, we're not in as so much as we'll, 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 we'll watch and uh, we'll do deals, but we'll be in. Don't you worry about it. Now they're like, ah, we're not coming in. Uh, water's too cold. We stuck our toe in and went, ooh, it's cold. Fuck that. I'm not getting in that. Uh, now, the New York Times at the time wrote that the conflict was turning into an all-out proxy war between the US and Russia. Again, this is late 2015. Uh, insurgent commanders said that since Russia had begun their air attacks supporting the Syrian government, they were receiving for the first time supplies of American-made anti-tank missiles. Uh, I'm not sure how that helps you with air attacks, but sure, why not? (laughs) Right, unless you can Point, point them up in the air. But yeah, and just to just to state the obvious, obviously when the Russians come in and they start doing airstrikes, they say that they're targeting the Islamic State group, but they, the West and Syrian opposition says, no, they're the ones, you know, the anti-Assad rebels are the ones being targeted. So suddenly there's American fighters, there's Syrian fighters, and now Russian fighters in the air. Um, hopefully they never, you know, come across each other. But uh, yeah, so the... The very people trying to fight uh, Bashar are now being bombed by the Russians, and so that leaves the Americans with I, in another another impossible situation. You can't tell the Russians to back down. Obviously, they wouldn't listen anyway. But what do you do? You're not going to commit yourself. You've already um, spent all your time after uh, 9-11 in Afghanistan and Iraq, so the American people wouldn't tolerate it anymore. What do you do now that the Russians are there but supply these people 
and hope for the best. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, uh, the the Pentagon's five hundred million dollar program. Apparently, they were training the rebels in Turkey, arming them, sending them into Syria. Uh, at which point, the rebels would just hand over their weapons uh, to. <laughs> Uh, you know, I don't know, ISIL and Al-Qaeda and Al-Nusra Front go, here you go. We've got some more weapons for you. Funded by the Americans. When they were in Turkey, yeah, when they were in Turkey, did they stay at the same hotels that James Bond did? Is that why it was so expensive? (laughs) I don't know. Only staying in the best places. Um, So, uh, yeah, so the the insurgent commanders are saying, well, America's been promising us a lot of these cool weapons like anti-tank missiles, didn't give us many uh, until the Russians got involved. And then then we started seeing this stuff they've been promising us for ages actually turning up. Uh, but from the American perspective, they're thinking, well, fuck, why are we going to give them to you when you're just handing them over to the, uh, ISIL and Al-Qaeda, right? Wouldn't you think, to me, that when uh, the United States started doing that, when the Russians got in, to me, that was nothing more than a Cold War-esque knee-jerk reaction. Oh, the Russians are in? Okay, now we will give you weapons. It might not be the right weapons, but we're going to certainly give you something more than we've done before. I don't know. To me, it just kind of struck at the American psyche. We have to do something to oppose the Russians. It was like it was almost an emotional well, uh, response based yeah. on the last... Well, again, absolutely. We're back in. This is classic Cold War proxy war being fought here. U.S. supporting one side, the Russians supporting the other side. Uh, It's, it's, yeah, absolutely, man. And all the people in the middle are dying, except for us. Now, both sides are getting support now. So the Russians are supporting the Syrians. uh, The Americans are supporting the FSA. Uh, and both are supposedly attacking ISIL and Al-Qaeda, but how do you tell ISIL and Al-Qaeda from the other guys? It's uh, No one knows, really, at this point. Um, yeah. there's, it's, it's not like they're wearing huge banners saying, hi, we're ISIL. Um, although sometimes they do, but it, it, it's increasingly difficult to tell who's who in the zoo. Now, the thing the CIA were delivering uh, to these rebels were TOWs, tube-launched, optically-tracked, wire-guided missiles. Um, TOWs, uh, sounds pretty cool. Um, I'm sure you can buy those in Walmart, uh, like, you know, Second Amendment. Second Amendment, man. You should be able to have access to those. Every Mm -hmm. good American home has a wire-guided missile. Wire-guided missile, because I didn't know what that was, um, is a missile that is guided by signals sent to it by thin wires connected between the missile and its guidance mechanism, which is located uh, near the launch site. So, you know, it's connected f- fucking by wires, man. There's like... Right, just don't show it. <laughs> wires. Like, I thought I never knew missiles were connected by wires. <laughs> what the fuck? So I guess they're fairly, that, fa- fairly short-range <laughs> operations here. Right. And yeah, but the Russian planes were, uh, and the Syrian planes as well, were coming pretty low to bomb these guys. So uh, they, I guess they were just hoping to be able to take some of that. And, the, and there's very few 
if I remember from uh, reading, there was very few Syrian planes taken out before this. So I don't know how effective this is going to be, but it's certainly going to make the Syrian opposition feel better that they have actually got some weapons in their hand, even though it's not the right tool for the job. Well, they're anti-tank missiles, uh, I think, not not aircraft missiles. So they're taking out Syrian tanks, uh, not I don't think they're being used to take out planes. But these, getting back to the wires, apparently you have long-range wire-guided missiles that will go up to four kilometres or two and a half miles with a fucking wire trailing behind them. You shoot a missile and it's that's got a crazy. four kilometre long wire <laughs> that's telling what's going Picture, picture it's, it's your job to sit there and to tightly pack the wire into one of those things. <laughs> anyway, why? I was like, what? Anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. Now, on, on the 23rd of October, 2015, foreign ministers from the United States, Russia, Saudi Arabia, and Turkey met in Vienna and had a meet to, uh, to try and figure out how they could end the Syrian conflict. On the 20th of November 2015, the UN Security Council unanimously passed Resolution 2249 that urged UN members to redouble and coordinate their efforts to prevent and suppress terrorist acts committed specifically by ISIL, also known as Daesh, as well as the ANF and all other individuals, groups, undertakings and entities associated with Al-Qaeda and other terrorist groups, blah, 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 blah. Um, so it's about fighting ISIL, not really right. anything to do with the Free Syrian Army or the Syrian Army. And it... Okay. didn't invoke, sorry, yeah. 2249 didn't invoke the UN's Chapter 7, which is the chapter that gives a specific um, legal authorization for the use of force. Chapter 7 is what allows the Security Council to take military or non-military action to restore peace and security. Uh, it's been invoked 15 times in the UN's history, mm. uh, the first being 1950 during the Korean War, but uh, wasn't used in 2249. Just said, hey, go fight ISIL, do everything you can to stop ISIL, but it didn't give authorization for, for the use of uh, military force. Okay, so you've got a civil war you've got a war against terror and you've got a proxy war all going on at the same time in the same location. Yes. Okay. How was this ever supposed to end? Well, yes. Attrition. Eventually somebody runs out of people or guns. Um, So 2249 was about the UN uh, uh, demanding that people cease any attacks against civilian targets and to try and stop ISIL. Um, And it also said that within 18 months, again, this is of November 2015, free and fair elections were to be held in Syria under UN supervision. 
So 18 months after November 2015 would have been uh, early 2017. Obviously, that didn't happen. Yeah. Right. And I remember I remember reading about, um, out of the different uh, UN resolutions, one of them was that we would no longer ask Syria if we could uh, send in relief and we wouldn't just send it um, to the government controlled areas because up until some point in late 2014, 90% of the relief, the food and whatever that was coming in was only going to controlled areas, government controlled areas, which obviously helps Bashar. And now everybody's trying to bomb the fuck out of the, uh, the extremists, the jihadists, if you will. So that's going to help Bashar as well. But still, I don't know. It's, I, I just, just trying to wrap my head around this. So, so he's getting a lot of things that are good for him. Uh, obviously, with everybody trying to take these guys out because they're against him as well. And so, again, how how do you end this thing? And, and why would he ever leave if other people are taking care of one of his enemies for him? I mean, it's working out pretty well for this guy because as bad as he is, these other these other elements are just so extreme. Every almost everybody can agree that they are even worse and have to be literally killed yeah. and taken out. So, um, John Kerry, who was the Secretary of State of the United States at the time, visited Moscow late 2015, where he met his Russian counterpart, Sergei Lavrov, as well as Vladimir Putin on the 15th of December. Mm-hmm. And they announced that a couple of days later, on the 18th of December, world powers would meet in New York to pass a UN resolution for the Syrian peace process. And on the 18th of December 2015, the UN Security Council unanimously passed Resolution 2254. Um, it was the first time they'd been able to pass something since the beginning of the civil war in 2011. Uh, and it endorsed a transitional plan and set out a timetable for formal talks and a unity government within six months, which would have made it mid-2016. Obviously, didn't happen. But they were kind of divided on who should represent the Syrian opposition and no mention was made of the future role of Bashar al-Assad. But 2254 was important because it was invoked later on by Iran, Russia and Turkey as the legal basis for the first round of the Astana talks, which started earlier this year, January 2017. Astana being the capital of which country, Ray? Ray, your subject is uh, capital countries of the former Soviet Union. Your time starts now. Astana is the capital of? Astana. I think you're making that name up. <laughs> Kazakhstan, Ray. The answer was the answer we were looking for was Kazakhstan. Katstan. Kaz- Kat City. Kazakhstan. So Kazakhstan. the um there was this this uh round of talks in early twenty seventeen which led to a truce between the Free Syrian Army and the government forces, which lasted um, sorry, let me go back. Fuck that. Edit. So, on the 18th of December 2015, the Security Council passed Resolution 2254. This lasted to a truce. This lasted? Fuck. 
This led to a truce between the Free Syrian Army and the Syrian uh, government forces, which lasted from the 26th of February to July of 2016 wow. when it unraveled. Right. Did they b- b- focus on the on the extremists at that point? Uh, during that period, yes, there was still fighting against ISIL, etc. But then on the 12th of mm-hmm. September 2016, a US-Russian brokered ceasefire came into effect, but five days later, the US bombed Syrian army positions near Deir Ez-Zor, supposedly by accident. Whoops! Oh, whoops, we bombed you. Uh, Sorry about that. We didn't really... Which just... Like, whether or not that is true, and let's give the Americans the benefit of the doubt, um, they bombed and killed 62 Syrian troops that were fighting ISIL militants. Um, if, oh, given the benefit of the doubt, you can just see, A, how confusing the ground is and how little they really know about what's going on. They thought they were bombing ISIL. Yeah. They were actually bombing Syrian troops, if we take them at their word. So it just gives you this idea that the Americans, with all of their technology and all of their fucking satellites and all of their intelligence, even at this late stage, we're talking a year ago in Syria, still uh, weren't really sure who they were bombing. Um, Yeah, I think I I read 10 years ago that we had the technology to zoom in on a pack of cigarettes. And so obviously they can see everything and they're still, yeah, like you said, they still don't know who the, the players are. I mean, it is truly just a confusing situation. But but I guess the larger point is because they bombed, I guess that's the end of the uh, end of the. Yes, trip. the end of the ceasefire. Yeah, sorry. So oh, yeah, it lasted uh, less than a week. Then there was another ceasefire brokered by the Russians, which lasted from December 30 to the 14th of February 2017. Now, of course, during this time, America got itself a new president. Oh, God. Don't make me read uh, that. <laughs> who is that again? I uh, can't remember his name. Now, hump, bump, Trump. Hump, bump. Uh, Sounds like the beginning of a Dr. Zeus book. Hump, bump, my name is Trump. I've got a lump on my hump. Now, during his campaign, I don't know if you remember this, but during his campaign, Ray, uh, Donald Trump... Yeah. Suggested that whilst Bashar al-Assad wasn't a very nice man, it really had nothing to do with the US and they shouldn't focus on pushing him out of power. They should keep out of there. You know, he demanded that Obama keep out of Syria. Let me play a little clip here of uh, Donald Trump on Bill O'Reilly's show, My Uncle, Big Bill, Uh, This is during the campaign. Um, He's talking about his views on Assad. Personally, I've been looking at the different players and I've been watching Assad and I've been pretty good at this stuff over the years because deals are people. 
looking at Assad and saying maybe he's better than the kind of people that we're supposed to be backing because we don't even know. Yeah, who but he's, we're a, he's a mass murderer no with the, the gas and all of that. But what's the downside of Putin fighting? We ISIS? don't know. What's the downside well, of Putin fighting? I ISIS? say there's. I say there's very little downside with Putin fighting ISIS, and Putin wants to keep ISIS out of Russia, and therefore he's become very right. active with I'm respect to ISIS. I'm going to tell you ISIS, what the downside and think, is. And I, I think that's to our benefit. I'm going to tell you what the downside well, is. Well, you're going to say the downside is we're losing control of the Middle East. No, no. But with once, this kind of once leadership, Putin we're never going to have control of anything. Once Putin gets in and fights ISIS on behalf of Assad, Putin runs Syria. He owns it. He'll never get out. Never. All right. Okay. Fine. I mean, you know, we can be in Syria. Do you want to run Syria? Do you want to own Syria? No, I want to rebuild but I think our Putin, country. Bill. Putin I wants want to, to run and call the shots in the Middle East, and the United States yeah, will be on the side. Sure, I said that. Sure. That was Trump during the campaign. Um, he's pretty good at this. He's looked at this. He's pretty good at these things. And the whole the whole idea of let's leave Assad in power seems to have been the final position mm -hmm. of the Obama administration as well uh, mm -hmm. John Kerry was giving hints around about this time that they were prepared to leave Assad in power as well uh, they thought you know I mean of course remember they had done the 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 clean up the chemical weapons deal with Assad. They were relying on him, but although by this stage mm -hmm. it should have all been done. Um, here, is Desa here is Assad actually being interviewed uh, a little bit before this, December 2015, talking about John Kerry saying that he could stay. Secretary Kerry said, well, maybe not immediately, and we're not looking for regime change. Even the French are now saying uh, the president may be part of a solution. Uh, your luck seems to be changing. Thank you for them to say that. Uh, I was packing my luggage. Oh, I had to leave. <laughs> now I can stay. <laughs> we never cared about whatever they said. They've been saying the same for four years now. Right. Did, any, did anything change regarding that issue? Nothing. So this is a Syrian issue. Whether it's Obama or United States or Europe or any country, we don't care about it. As long as the Syrian want this president or any other president to be in power, he will be there. There you go. <laughs> like he's laughing about yeah. it. Oh, thanks very much. I can stay. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to be a jerk, but every time I hear his voice, I think serial killer. But anyway, um, I thought you were going to play the clip when Trump said he had a secret, special secret plan to get rid of uh, ISIL in uh, 30 days. Oh, That's what I thought you were going to do. No, no. Anyway. Yeah. How's that going? I, I wish it, he'd, has he done that? I'm sure I he's done that. Put, I don't. Think I think he's going to build the wall first, and then and then do that. Now, in um, March of 2017, uh, Trump is in power. Obviously, Trump administration. His uh, United Nations ambassador Nikki Haley told reporters that the U.S. priority in Syria is no longer to sit there and focus on getting Assad out. At the same time, Rex Tillerson, the U.S. Secretary of State, who we just found out this week referred to Trump as a moron in uh, various meetings. Uh, well, he should know. He yeah. Knows he said Assad's fate would be decided by the Syrian people. White House Press Secretary at the time, Spicy, Big Spicy, told a press briefing on March 31st, Marth Colin, March Colin Firth, uh, Kingsman, showing in the cinemas now. March 31st, that 
There is a political reality we have to accept, implying that Assad would uh, just be staying in Syria. So, all everyone, early part of 2017, Trump's in power. All the American administration is saying, yeah, listen, Assad can stay. Right? We're, we're happy with Assad staying. Assad can stay. Now, you would think if you're Assad at this point, obviously he doesn't give a fuck, but what right. you're like, okay, good. Let's not fuck this up, basically. <laughs> right? Right. The right. Americans finally... Don't be a cunt. <laughs> D-back. By the way, somebody somebody D-back. bought a D-back uh, hoodie from us the other day and a coffee mug, which I'd like to thank that person, oh whoever God. it is. That's hilarious. Getting the word out there. But this is... This is truly a D-back moment for Bashar. Right. So you would think after all this yeah. time, the Americans have spent a billion dollars and more probably trying to support the rebels right. to get him out. Now the American administration, the White House is saying, yeah, listen, we don't care. Let him stay there. We just care about ISIL and Daesh. Let Assad stay. So when on the mm-hmm. 4th of April this year, there was another sarin gas attack and it was blamed, obviously, by uh, the Americans and their allies on Bashar al-Assad, you'd have to think, why? Why would he do that? Right. When he's in yeah. a good good situation here, they're, they're backing off. Their rhetoric is, yeah, fuck it, let him stay. Uh, we've given up. Why mm-hmm. would he do that? So let's talk a little bit about the gas attack from earlier this year. Okay. Should I start? Yes, please. <laughs> okay. Um, this was in the town of Kayun. Sorry, fuck. The town of Khan Shaykun, which is in the Idlib government. <laughs> I can't talk. The Idlib government. I can't talk. I'm At the time of the attack, the town was under the control of Tahrir al-Sham, which was the new name of al-Nusra Front, the ANF. So what I like about these guys is they're all about rebranding on a regular basis. And I, as, a, as a marketing yeah. professional, yeah. I have to, admi- I have that to admire that. Yeah. Because it's good work for marketing consultants. They're the, they're the ultimate client. They're rebranding every couple of years. They're going, you know what? <laughs> you know, we yeah, we were uh, uh, Al-Qaeda and, and a breakaway. But then we, we got, you know, that name that's been done. We, everyone's heard of that. Let's, re, let's change yeah. it to Al-Nusra Front. They won't know what the fuck that is. They've done that. Now we know that. <laughs> let's change it again with Tahrir al-Sham. Uh, we and as right. a marketing consultant, I'm like, well, fuck, you need a new logo, you need a new letterhead, new business cards, a new website. Yeah. Uh, let's do the whole, do the whole fucking thing, man. <laughs> like, uh, great, awesome client. Um, yeah, Sham uh, is the organization for the liberation of the Levant or the Levant Liberation Committee. Which sounds like it's straight out of Monty Python. Uh, are I you the Levant Liberation? Fuck off! We're the Committee for the Liberation of the Levant. <laughs> Levant Liberation Committee? Fucking knobs, those guys. Bastards. Bastards. <laughs> Pussies, those guys. 
How dare, how dare you? Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so anyway, back to these guys. So uh, they were in control of Khan Shaikun. There was a gas attack. Uh, it, it supposedly includes sarin gas. Uh, at least 74 people died, more than 557 people injured. In other words, right. your standard Las Vegas mass shooting uh, situation here, but with sarin gas. So, so just real quick. So um, the former artist known as Al-Nusra controls the area and there's a gas attack. Do you think somebody was trying to attack them? They were using the gas to defend themselves from, from someone else? Do they have an idea of who launched the attack? Well, lots of people have ideas about who launched it, and we're going to go into that detail, uh, Ray, okay. because uh, it's kind of relevant, I think. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. now, the, again, the, the Bashar's government forces were blamed by the Americans and the British and their allies. Um, of course, they denied it. The Russians came out and said that the Syrians had bombed a warehouse in Khan Shaikun belonging to rebels and that mm-hmm. the warehouse may have contained a chemical uh. weapons stockpile. Now, keep in mind that the Gouda attacks... Remember, the Gouda attacks were in 2013, so... Mm-hmm. Three and a half, nearly four years uh, before this, Obama had the red line thing and he did a deal with Assad. He said, okay, listen, we won't attack. We won't come in with guns blazing, but you have to sign up to the Chemical Weapons Convention and you have to get rid of all of your chemical weapons in 12 months. And he said, well, hold on, you, you haven't gotten rid of all of yours in 20 years. And they said, fuck you, doesn't matter. Uh, you've got 12 months, which would have made it mid-2014. Uh, he was supposed to get rid of all of his chemical weapons. Here we are, early 2017, another chemical weapons attack. And the Russians are saying, well, look, yeah, it was a, it was a warehouse. Syrians, yes, the Syrians bombed the warehouse, but with conventional bombs maybe there was something in the warehouse that was stockpiles that leaked out. Now, right. yes, you want to say something? No, I was just going to add that, I mean, obviously there is no one involved in this who has any reason whatsoever to tell the truth. So, <clears throat> yeah, but, but I like the Russian story. They're very good at that. It's very plausible. Mm. So the Syrian target was supposedly a two-story cinder block building in the northern part of the town. Now, Russian intelligence uh, had uh, developed, the, had picked up the fact that um, this was uh, a, media, a place where there was going to be a meeting of jihadi leaders on this day. Representatives mm-hmm. of Ahra uh, al-Sham, not to be confused with Tahrir al-Sham, uh, right. just they're one of the other Al Shams, part of the Al Shams <laughs> family. They're like the Jacksons, the Al Shams. Yeah, it's right. so many you can't even. You got Tito, yeah, uh, right. Frito, um, <laughs> Latoya. Yeah. I don't know any of their names. <laughs> Jermaine. Jermaine, good one, good one. Woo! Um, yeah. who's the nasty one? 
uh, the, the sister, the young one, Babyface Jackson. I don't know, fucking Babyface Jackson. I don't know. Anyway, um, Ara El-Sham and uh, uh, Jabat El-Nusra. Yeah. Um, anyway, there was going to be a big meeting there on this day. Now, here's the thing. The Russians apparently had already shared this intelligence, obviously with the Syrians, but also with the US before the bombing. Mm-hmm. Now, you might ask, why would they share this with the US when they're basically fighting a, a proxy yeah. war? Well, <clears throat> they they do this so the CIA in particular has advanced warning that if they have any informants or CIA assets oh. that may have managed to work their way into the jihadi leadership, they get a warning not to attend the meeting. Because the last thing the Russians want to do... Right is bomb a CIA operative. Um, They may be fighting a proxy war here, but if they start fucking killing Americans, it takes it to a whole new level. Uh, Mm -hmm. So apparently, and now this is according, I must say, this version of the story I'm telling you is according to a report that Seymour Hersh, who I've talked about before, won't go into again, but into his version of the story based on his American intelligence sources who are anonymous because they're, mm-hmm. you know, active intelligence operatives. Um, so I'm not necessarily stating this as fact, but again, I've said before, Hirsch, pretty good credibility, pretty good track record, maybe wrong, maybe his sources are wrong, but in terms of sources, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to go with Hirsch here. This is his version of what he was told. The Russians had previously told the Americans this was going to happen. Right? We're going to bomb this place. Uh, it's uh, like a command and control center for a bunch of jihadi groups. There's um, a grocery uh, operation, grocery store, commercial premises on the ground floor. There's some other shops nearby, a fabric shop, electronics store. Uh, uh, but uh, these, there's going to be a group of these leaders meeting and, and the Syrians are going to take it out with our support. Right. Now, um, of course, what happened is they bombed it, and then there was there was you know gas attack uh, on on the area around it. Now the Russians, again, according to the version of the story that Hirsch got, the Russians gave the Syrian air force a guided bomb, big fucking five hundred pound guided bomb, and that's fairly rare for them to give this kind of stuff to the Syrians. Apparently, they're pretty skimpy with their guided bombs. Uh, And the Syrians assigned their best pilot to the mission, their best wingman. Um, I thought you were going to be my wingman in Vegas, uh, but uh, you ended up just, uh, you know. Be in the caboose. (laughs) Now, uh, according to Hersh's source inside the military, this was not a chemical weapons strike. He said, that's a fairy tale. If so, Mm -hmm. everyone involved in transferring, loading, and arming the weapon, you've got to make it appear like a regular 500-pound conventional bomb would be wearing hazmat protective clothing in case of a leak. 
There would be very little chance of survival without such gear. Military-grade sarin includes additives designed to increase toxicity and lethality. Every batch that comes out is maximized for death. That's why it is made. It is odorless and invisible, and death can come within a minute. No cloud. Why produce a weapon that people can run away from? Okay, Mm -hmm. so that's according to Hirsch's advisor. Now, another piece of information that we apparently have is that the U.S. intelligence intercepted Syrian communications ahead of the bombing of Khan Shaykhun. The intercept didn't mention sarin or any other sort of chemical weapons attack, but it did capture a Syrian general discussing a special weapon that needed a highly skilled pilot to fly the attack plane. Now, according to Hirsch's source, this special weapon was the Russian-supplied 500-pound conventional bomb with a built-in guidance system, again, something that they don't hand out a lot of. But according to the advisor, uh, if you've already decided it was a gas attack... Uh, and then you read about a special weapon, you were you could assume that it was a sarin bomb. Um, so mm-hmm. the advisor said to Hirsch, did the Syrians plan the attack on Khan Shakun? Absolutely. Do we have intercepts to prove it? Absolutely. Did they plan to use sarin? No. But the president, Trump this is, didn't say we have a problem, let's look, let's look into it. He wanted to bomb the shit out of Syria. That's a quote from Hirsch's advisor, by the way. Right. So around about this time, Trump changes his mind about Assad. Uh, I got a clip here of him talking about that, some press conference that he gave in the Rose Garden or somewhere. I like to think of myself as a very flexible person. I don't have to have one specific... I can do the splits... Uh, I can do backflips. I'm very flexible. I can get my ankle up behind my ear. I can show it to you right now. Uh, it's very. It's it's I like, like I don't have my... hamstrings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like to think of myself as a very flexible person. I don't have to have one specific way. And if the world changes, uh, I go the same way. I don't change. Well, I do change. And I am flexible, and I'm proud of that flexibility. And I will tell you, that attack on children yesterday had a big impact on me. Big impact. That was a horrible, horrible thing. And I've been watching it and seeing it, and it doesn't get any worse than that. And I have that flexibility, and it's very, very possible. And I will tell you, it's already happened that my attitude toward Syria and Assad has changed very much. And if you look back over the last few weeks, there were other attacks using gas. You're now talking about a whole different level. So, as you know, I would love to have never been in the Middle East. I would love to have never seen that whole big situation start. But once it started, we got out the wrong way. And ISIS formed in the vacuum. And lots of bad things happened. I will tell you, 
What happened yesterday is unacceptable to me. Okay. So, a bunch of words randomly arranged uh, there by Trump into something <laughs> vaguely resembling That's a sentence. But basically, he's changed his mind, he says now, towards Bashar. A couple of months ago on the campaign, he's saying, fucking, let's stay out of it, Bashar, who cares? Now, he's saying it's changed. Now, of course, there had been sarin attacks before in Syria during Obama's time. Still, mm. Trump was like, nope, 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 sarin attacks, don't care. Kill, kids died then, didn't care. Now he's president, all of a sudden he fucking cares. Uh, now we've got to do something. Uh, so flip-flopper, uh, President Trump. Flexible. flexible. Not I'm very, very proud flexible. of my flexibility. Um, now Hirsch says that the intelligence made clear that a Syrian Air Force Su-24 fighter bomber had used a conventional weapon to hit its target. There had been no chemical warhead. But mm-hmm. according, again, to Hersh's sources, Trump went into a meeting with his uh, intelligence guys, military guys, basically not saying, let's figure out what happened and who was responsible, just going... We we need to we need to attack Syria. It's a bit like it sounds very right. similar to George W. Bush and you know uh, Rumsfeld and Cheney after nine eleven. We don't care that the hijackers were mostly Saudi citizens and were mostly funded and trained by the Saudis. Uh, let's go and invade Afghanistan and Iraq because we right. we just want to do it. We do, it doesn't care what the facts are. We, let's not worry about doing any uh, homework on this. Let's just go and attack. Um, again, Hirsch's advi- uh, uh, contact said, the president saw the photographs of poisoned little girls and said it was an Assad atrocity. It's typical of human nature. You jump to the conclusion you want. Intelligence analysts do not argue with a the president. They're not going to tell the president, if you interpret the data this way, I quit. Right. Or slow your roll, Mr. President. We actually got to get some facts. Um, Yeah, you just don't do that. Well. Because you have a pension. I guess. Which means you're complicit in in what happens next, really. Um, Personally, I don't get that. uh, I don't get that attitude. Um, I've told a lot of my bosses that Mm -hmm. they're wrong. And, you know, yeah, sure, I lost my job. (laughs) Another one. I became a podcaster. Uh, who needs who needs money and security? That's right. You yeah. showed them. On the 7th of April, uh, 2017, 72 hours after the attack, Trump launched 59 cruise missiles at Shirat Air Base, uh, which US intelligence claimed was the source of the attack. And mm-hmm. this was the first public admitted intentional attack by the U.S. on Syrian targets. Right. And again, slightly illegal, as in we don't have any authority to yes, attack? Yes, entirely illegal, okay. according to international law. No UN Security Council authority permission to do this. Uh, Syria has not declared war on America, hasn't attacked America. So here we have America uh, committing an illegal act 
with the justification that something bad happened, but we don't have any evidence for it. I mean, it's this kind of bullshit that America does. Cowboy diplomacy. Yeah. That, that, uh, you know, for the rest of us, we just sit there and shake our heads and go, what, why does America think it has the um, moral or ethical uh, leadership when it continues to do stuff like this. Like, anyway, we will get into more about the details of the Trump attack and the evidence for and against uh, who was responsible for this um, in the next episode. And then uh, I think we wind this thing uh, all together up. Bullshit. Bullshit.